Thank you for downloading this New Zealand Sports Radio show. We have a new way that you can support us. There is a link in the notes down below where you can make a one-off donation to New Zealand Sports Radio. Thank you for support and uh, enjoy the show. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Good evening and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to episode 10. We've made the big 1-0 here on The Standoff with yours truly and Brad Inger. Uh, we will bring you your rugby league fix um, for the week. Brad, welcome and good evening. Good evening, Sanjay, and good evening to Brad. our listeners. It was an interesting news week and I can't wait to talk about it. Yeah, we had a lot of um, lot to talk about this week, a lot around the Warriors, obviously, with the departures of Nate Green and um, Todd Payton, obviously not wanting to continue um, beyond 2020. So, look, uh, there is a, a lot of interesting news in regards to them and um, definitely some good discussion points around the games as well. But, Brad, whilst we're here on uh, Facebook every Wednesday at 8 p.m. live, um, you can also catch our show via our podcast. That's right, on iHeartRadio. Just remember to search for New Zealand Sport Radio. Oh, yeah. And of course, as always, we'll cover off the top stories of the week, a wrap-up of round 12, we'll preview round 13, and we will bring you information from the game around the globe, including the Super League, the international game, and if there are any, if there's anything happening in the women's game. So this is the place to get your one-stop shop for your rugby league fix, ladies and gentlemen. So please stay tuned in and join us as we take you through what will be another fantastic week of rugby league news. Yeah, so I think first things first for the top stories, we have to talk about Todd Payton uh, coming out on Monday night on NRL 360 and announced live that he's rejected the Warriors job offer for next year, citing family reasons, potentially eyeing up the Cowboys job. And a bit of a shock, I think. And I think the biggest question for Warriors fans is who's really left to coach them? What were your thoughts on the news? Yeah, I'm pretty disappointed, really, in the news from Todd there. Um, I would have felt that um, being offered a first-grade coaching gig that you would take it, um, considering you haven't been a first-grade coach up until now. Um, perhaps there's more to this story than meets the eye. That's the other thing that we are not considering here in the media, is that there may be an offer or a discussion with another club. And like you say, you've just mentioned the Cowboys there. So, look, that would be quite disappointing if, if that is the case, because... I think that um, you know he was doing some good things at the Warriors. Whether I think that he was the man to take them um, from 2021 and beyond, 
that still I had a question mark around that. But um, in terms of him just not being interested at all, um, he's obviously still earmarked to be the assistant coach next year if um, if he wanted as well. So, yeah, it's an interesting one. Um, how, how, what were your thoughts on the situation, Brad? Oh. Uh, it's it was a bit of a shock. I like I said last week. He he was. I was beginning to warm up to to him taking the gig on full time. I, I've seen some good things, and I was I was pretty excited to see what he could do. So that news kind of came out of left field when I heard it. I, it's horrible to hear what's happening to his father-in-law in that, but the fact that he potentially is still going to be with the club next year doesn't really make sense for why you'd turn the top gig down. So I speculation, I, I think that he's probably had a tap on the shoulder and told that he's a good shot for the Cowboys gig, which is probably why he shut it down in my opinion. But it's, it's very cloak and dagger at the moment. You can't really tell what's going on and it's, it's made the club look bad. Um, not addressing it themselves. It was left live on uh, like national television for that news to uh, to break and yeah i think I, well i think regardless of that the clubs look pretty ordinary anyway i mean first of all dismissing steve kearney without having a um a coaching gig uh, a coach there for the remainder of the season that was a failure um peyton now going that's another failure so the warriors they've only got themselves to blame i'm afraid like um you know this is a this is a a, a professional sport and we're in the you know um we're in mid-season and you decided to make these big calls so like dare I say, if they had earmarked Peyton for the job um, early on when they were letting Cooney go, um, why wasn't that addressed at that point? Like, because if, if they were thinking that Peyton was going to take the gig, if he's now not going to take it, who have they got left? And is it is it now a matter of we're just going to be able to, um, they're going to have to take who they can? And that's going to be a real disappointing situation if you know when, when you're searching for a coach you want to go out there and get your man you want to be like look we want wayne bennett we're going to get bennett we're going to do whatever it takes to get bennett um however i can't see the warriors having done that they basically got rid of kearney and just thought hey look we'll sit on it for a little while and then we'll decide at a later stage who we're going to let the applicants be and yeah it seems a really topsy-turvy kind of a decision making process in my opinion yeah, I think um, there was an interview with Cameron George where he basically started pointing out that hiring a new coach is quite difficult because of COVID. And the first thing that popped into my mind is if you knew it was going to be difficult, why did you get rid of Kearney during COVID? Exactly. Um, wouldn't it be better to get a plan going, okay, Kearney's not our guy. We're kind of stuck right now, so we'll, we'll just play it out. And then once everything's open again, We'll, we'll start looking around. So it, it seems like a knee-jerk reaction from them and not very professional. And um, as as the comment is there, a lot of the problems seem to be from the, the owner downwards. I think Cameron George has got to step up as a CEO and rein the owner in. Um, I was talking off air and said um, it'd be hard to name more than one or two owners of other NRL clubs because they pay the administration to do the job and they just pay the bills stay in the background where we've got an owner here that's getting himself in the paper and going on the news and yeah, he's, he's like trying a, to be more like a team manager rather than an owner isn't he and that's the thing like yeah. um you, you 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 if you're the owner of one of these franchises you do get your administration to sort of 
you know, run the organization and they're the people that best know how to run the organization, provided that you've hired the right crew. But anyway, we'll have to keep you updated on the Todd Payton, uh, well, not the Todd Payton, but the Warriors coaching gig, because at the moment we know that he's there till the end of the season and um, that's it. Um, we don't know at this stage who is going to be the coach. I get the feeling we'll find out this week um, who they'll be, um, who will be the coach. But yeah, um, I dare I say, uh, you know, and, and I, with all due respect to the man, I, I don't think that Tony Iroh is is the man for the job. Um, but no. I, I have a feeling that they don't have too many options left besides him and Stacey Jones. Um, you never know; you might see Ruben Wiki coming to the fruition, uh, coming to fruition rather. Um, you know, who, who else have we got back there? You know, that's the kind of situation that the Warriors are in. Warriors are in. So, look, um, disappointing, but we'll definitely keep you updated. And that obviously follows on to another exit story. Um, and that is Blake Green, obviously, being granted an early release, I think, late the day before yesterday. Uh, he asked for an early release to go to join the Newcastle Knights, and he has been granted that release as effective immediately. So we're now without a halfback, and we'll have to use the likes of uh, Chanel Harris-Tavita and Adam Kieran, who is um, I haven't seen much of this season. Yeah, I think he, he's played one game this year at centre, um, Kieran. So this week um, they've gone with Chanel in the halves. And um, in my in my writing that I, I do each week um, for months, I've been asking the Stephen Cooney at the time because he was coach. I've been begging and pleading to let Cody and Chanel have a go together and see what they'll do. So we're going to get that now. I think Blake Green... He, he was up and down, but there's a lot of experience that they've lost there. And, um, yeah, could leave a bit of a hole. And I think he'll do well at the Knights, and I, I wish him all the best. But, yeah, it's time to see if Chanel has got what it takes, really. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm a big fan of seeing uh, Chanel Harris-Savita playing on the, um, on, the, on, the, on the outside or on the inside of, um, uh, you know, Nicarima. And it, it does bode for an interesting combination there. I mean, we've seen glimpses of form from Harris Tavita. So, look, he's got an opportunity for the rest of this season. He's got at least seven games to see what he can do and see what he can um, bring to the side and cement himself as the marquee halfback for next year, potentially. So, yeah, we'll, um, we'll have to just wait and see what happens in regards to the Warriors' uh, positional uh, uh, decision-making, I guess, come this weekend. On Friday, they've got the Manly Sea Eagles, which will be a great game, I think. We'll, we'll have a look at that a little bit later. Um, but in other news, we've also got the um, the we've also got the Roosters Mitchell Orbison um, playing his 300th game on Thursday, which is a fantastic achievement really from Mitchell. Um, he's been there for quite some time. Obviously, part of that 2011 setup that knocked out the Vodafone Warriors and Sean Johnson in the in the finals. Um, so, yeah, he is going to be playing his 300th game, and he's only the third uh, Sydney City Rooster or Eastern Suburbs Rooster, I guess you could say, to do so, and that's a Pretty big um, achievement considering it's a club that's been around since 1908 and the only two before him that have managed to achieve that feat are Anthony Minicello and Luke Rickardson, respectively. And they were fantastic players. So Mitchell Orbison, um, he's also been part of three uh, grand final victories and um, he's been in four grand finals overall. So one thing um, I did notice uh, about Mitchell Orbison is that he hasn't played any um, representative footy, has he, Brad? That's right, he hasn't. Um... I think that just shows the quality of players that Australia and the likes have in his position, um, that a player of that quality doesn't make it. 
but he's been he's been a great player for the Roosters and the amount of quality the Roosters get, you have to be really good to be around be allowed to stick around that long. Normally um you might get a couple of hundred and then they flick you off because there's the next the next great player near like Alertrail Mitchell and and the like come through and squeeze you out of your spot. So the fact that he stuck around for as long as he has has just shown the quality that he has. Yes, and um, of course, um, another Roosters news as well. Uh, halfback and leading point scorer Kyle Fl- uh, Flanagan has been dropped for this weekend's game against the Dragons on Thursday night, and that's a bit of a shock um, dropping of him. But um, you know, the coaching staff have said you know we want to bring in Lachlan Lamb and we want to give Kyle a bit of a breather and a rest. Um, to get some development under his wing. I don't quite understand that quote um, in terms of the development because I would have thought that development comes with playing the game of rugby league, not not playing it. But, um, hey, look, I think that this is just an opportunity or an excuse to give him a bit of a break before, you know, we head into the latter end of the season. And, um, you know, it's probably a good time to give your halfback and 5'8 a bit of a break. Um, I think, it's, you know, for for his sake, I think it's a good thing. Yeah, I think so. Uh, the Roosters throughout this this topsy turvy season, um, they have been resting players, Boyd Cordner and the like. Um, there, there's no buys, um, there's no rests. So, and the faster pace is taking its toll, as we've seen by the the giant injury count this year. So, I think it's wise to rest them while you can, get some experience to Lachlan Lamb because, like you said, there's no other football. If you're not playing first grade, you're not playing at all. So I think I think, I think the development well, was yes. for him. I think, yeah, I think the development was meant for Lamb, not for Flanagan. Um, be interesting to see how he, how the young guy goes, but um, it's not a bad team to come into and, and be stuck in the halves, so... Yeah, we'll cover that off a little bit later in the Roosters fixture. Sorry, um, Brad. We'll cover that a little bit later in terms of the personnel that they do have out. It's quite an amazing number of marquee players that they don't have there at the moment. Um, But we'll cover that off, like I said, when we cover the Roosters game uh, last week. Um, Obviously, it's the Indigenous round. So we've seen plenty of um, shenanigans going on uh, amongst the players in terms of um, you know, representing their respective Indigenous communities. And it's been good to see. I I really do... uh, you know, embrace the Indigenous round of a rugby league and the Australians are, are embracing it um, more and more as the seasons go on, uh, which is good to see as well. So a lot of their um, players come from the junior rugby league circles um, in Australia and the Indigenous uh, community actually um, make up 20% of junior rugby league in Australia. So that's a, a massive stat uh, that I just was reading up on earlier today. So 20% of the um, Indigenous players in the Junior Rugby League system are, um, are their Indigenous players. So that bodes well for their future um, going forward. And, um, you know, it's it's definitely become an important part of the season. It's become an important part of our game. And I'm really happy to see it being embraced. Definitely. I think it's one of the, the better rounds every year. I think it's great. And uh, as Paul's put up there, the indigenous jerseys my favorite personally was the warriors one i, I really liked it but um it's always good to see um some some good designs for a one-off week and you generally see we'll talk about it a bit later but the indigenous players really seem to step it up another level during this week yeah i mean in terms of our favorite jerseys or favorite outfits i'll go with the panthers uh, the whole kit really there's a reason for that um 
we'll get into their uh, game a little bit later on, but they actually went uh, a, a step further than a lot of the other teams, and they got some of their family members to ride on shoes and um, you know do some special prints on the on the footwear um, or the, of the players as well. And so, yeah, look, um, I think that the Panthers' outfit was quite quite nice. The Warriors' outfit was fantastic as well. Like they all had a bit of taste of indigenous um, about their uh, kits, and that was really really good to see. So. Again, just another um, arm to the rugby league game that we are so happy to watch all the time. And, it, you know, it, it sort of does bring the communities closer together in terms of rugby league. So, now look, good on, the, um, good on the NRL for promoting the Indigenous round of rugby league the way that they have done. They've done it successfully in the past. Obviously, before COVID, we had the Indigenous game. And, um, yeah, it's, it's going to be something that, uh, you know, it's going to be part of our game going forward for many, many years to come. And... Indefinitely, obviously. Um, you've got some news on Ricky Lotelli uh, from the Storm. Yes. Yeah, so before we go into um, previewing the round, um, Ricky Lotelli from the Toronto Wolfpack, uh, he's officially signed with the Storm for the rest of the year. Um, good pickup for them. I know there was talks the Warriors were interested, but they deemed to not chase him, being that he'd only play five games. Um, for the club so they deemed it wasn't worth it so um, shame that he didn't come here because I think he would have been a welcome addition to a Warriors team without a strike center but he'll definitely do well with the storm so on the storm we'll cover it a little bit later but Cameron Smith's going to miss two to three weeks with a shoulder injury um, you'll cover that um, luckily, yeah luckily for the storm they have a couple other hookers around so they'll be all right but <laughs> They've got plenty. They've got one on loan at the moment at the Tigers. So, like, they've got plenty of reserves. And Brandon will cover, um, I'm sure, Smith for Smith, for Smith. It's a simple slot-in, slot-out scenario for them. They won't even bleak an eyelid. In fact, um, I'll be very interested to see how they go uh, without um, Cameron for the first uh, for the next couple of weeks. So, look, we'll crack into round 12. And on Thursday night, we had the Dragons up against the Rabbitohs at Netstrata Jubilee Stadium. And uh, the Drabido, the Rabbitohs taking out this one, 32 points to 24. Um, pretty much an inspired performance, I would say, from the Rabbitohs' Indigenous players. That's how Wayne Bennett has called it. It was down to our Indigenous boys, basically, that won the game. Obviously, the Trail Mitchell, Alex Johnson, um, they, you know, and Cody Walker, they all scored tries. Um, however, after 16, after 20 minutes, they were down 16-0. So it was a hell of a comeback from the Rabbitohs. It was, yeah. It looked like it would be a bad night for them. And then, um, especially with Adam Reynolds going off early injured, um, losing your halfback there is never good. But Cody Walker stepped up and controlled the game really well. And um, Alex Johnson had the game of his life. It's hard to believe he's still got no contract for next year. Um, but I'm pretty sure the Rabbitohs will try to keep him. He wants to stay. Um, so it's just them juggling the cap. But... Yeah, third straight loss um, for the Dragons, where they, they've been so close and then yet so far. There's been rumours this week that McGregor's lost the locker room, which never bodes well. But in a losing effort, I thought Matt Dufty played well. They just The Dragons just couldn't contain the Rabbits. So. That's right. No, the Dragons could not contain them. So it was 30 points, uh, sorry, 32 points to 24, the final score in that one. And that took us to the next game on Friday night, which was the West Tigers and the Warriors. And the odds for this game before going into the game were a dollar eighteen to five dollars. So I heard Darcy Waldegrave um, earlier today. He put down a cheeky 
amount of money. Um, former, obviously, presenter on one of the New Zealand um, former sports shows. And he basically um, came away with 150 bucks. So um, <laughs> by putting a cheeky amount down on those uh, Vodafone Warriors. But hey, look, great to see the Warriors coming away with this one. A win down in Sydney. Um, a first time victory against the uh, uh, West Tigers since 2013 in Australia. Uh, and definitely an upset um, of epic proportions, really. And they snap a three-game losing streak, Brad. Yeah, so um, I joined Darcy with that and then threw a cheeky little bet down on Friday night on them too. Um, didn't win that much. I wasn't as cheeky as him, I guess. I put a little bit <laughs> less on. But uh, it was good, good game to watch. Um, they... They got two. They were behind eight 0 quite early on, and I was getting a bit worried. Um, but they just they play. They found. I don't know if it's the pain and effect, but the last couple of weeks, basically since the Roosters game, they've showed an aggressive mindset and really tried to muscle up in the middle. Um, and there was five of the Warriors Ford pack ran for over hundred meters, um, which was great, and the others weren't that far off. I think there was only one player in the back line that also didn't run for 100 meters so they were getting a lot of meters tohu harris continues to impress jack hetherington played really well in the middle and then he got moved out to the edge and i think he played even better out on the edge he had a couple of good runs showing some good speed for a man his size and um it was a really good performance something it looks like there's something there that the warriors can build on and um Hopefully they can continue it. The news that's come out of the camp this week, maybe that might have a negative effect. We don't know, but we'll have to see what happens. Yeah, I think um, you know RTS getting involved um, around the ruck, and he was a uh, he was a uh, you know he, he was instrumental in um, them building pressure on the Tigers line. He had two little chips that went into the end goal area that got repeat sets, and they scored on the back of that third set. So. Um, I called it last week that maybe he needs to move into the 5-8 position, get himself a little bit more involved, and that's exactly what he did in the game against the Tigers, and we came up good. So um, whether they look at that model and think, okay, look, we can we can sort of bring him, um, you know, more closer to the to the action, then, um, you know, they might be getting some more favourable results. Obviously, on the flip side, for the Tigers, um, you know, Michael Maguire is absolutely furious at, at, at these inconsistent performances, games that they should have won against the Warriors and the Titans, two games, where they didn't muscle up and they didn't perform, and they have been against the top top tier nation, top tier uh, teams. So his frustration comes from uh, the fact that you know they're not being able to put the easy beats, I guess you could say, aside. Not that I believe that there are any easy beats in this NRL competition. I, I still believe any team on any given day can beat any other team, uh, and we've you know we've become accustomed to the nature of the tournament being as such. But yeah, um, it was definitely not a Tigers' performance by any stretch. No, um, I think there was a lot of footage showing him at halftime kicking the chair in the in the locker rooms, and um, he he's a very passionate coach, and I'm sure he's he's furious with how they're playing, and um, it could be another year where they end up ninth and don't make the eight again when they should be in the eight, um, but it all comes down to how they're performing. Yeah, I guess at the end of the day, like. Um... He's got a few games left um, in this season to try and get them to the eight. So it'll be interesting to see how they bounce back from this um, this weekend. Um, the other Friday night fixture, we obviously had the Broncos and the Sharks. Uh, the Sharks taking it out. Eventual winners at 36 to 26. However, not without a bit of a scare. And in fact, three late tries in the last eight minutes is what got the Sharks there in the end. But before that, 
They were down 26 points to 18, and we were looking like we were going to get a third Broncos victory of the season, Brad. Yeah, now um, I might have been a bit too confident after winning money on the Warriors game, but I actually threw money down on the Broncos as well. Um, after their start, they they looked really good. Tony Staggs had probably the best game I've ever seen him play. Um, and then, yeah, watching as the game was going on, as I know, like, oh, they um, they seem to snatch um, defeat from the jaws of victory at the moment. They I don't know if that's the confidence that they they're lacking at the moment, but they should have put that game away. The Sharks come back in, and um, yeah, I know you have that the old saying that they um, the Sharks wanted it more. Um, I don't like using that because I think everyone wants to win, but it's hard to argue that um, it looked like the Broncos were well ahead and then they just fell away, dropped their heads and got their pants pulled down. It's embarrassing. Yeah, well, basically the, Shark, yeah, the, the Sharks are also playing with eight to ten players from the winning Newtown Jets in the um, New South Wales competition from last year. And, of course, they're wanting to give them a bit of a run. Like you say, there's no um, other footy being played at the moment. But just to give put this game in perspective, the Sharks won that game without a number of personnel that they are missing through injury. And, you know, they've won six out of their last seven now, and they've still got the likes of Moylan, Dugan, Townsend, Ramey, and Fafita on the sideline. So this surely would cement John Morris's coaching position for now, at least anyway, and probably for the next season, I would say, um, considering they're six from seven, and they're going to go into this weekend, um, they've got a big game as well. So it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, um, you know, they're, they're playing some really good football. They're starting to develop a bit of a bit of momentum. And um, Brisbane, unfortunately, they just um, they just they're out muscled in that last ten minutes. Really, they played some good football up until that point. And Anthony Seabold, he'll be destroyed at the at the final result, considering they were there or thereabouts. And to come away with the loss at the end of that, well, um, he's only got his defensive uh, line to blame for that. There's in complete disarray, and a number of players coming off the line number of times throughout the game. If you watched it, you would have just seen you know one out, one out. We talk about one out. Um, attack. Well, this was like one-out defense running up to try and stop the ball carrier and leaving gaps, exposing them on the fringes of the rut. It happened time and time and time again, and they paid the price and the ultimate price, which was a, a, a defeat at the hands of the Sharks. Yeah, I think there's just a, a lack of trust between players in the defensive line, which um, doesn't bode well for them for the rest of the year. But, yeah, I don't know where they go to from here. I know Seabolt um, is adamant he won't be quitting, but I think the the writing's already on the wall. I, I don't see him being there next year. Yeah, I don't see him being there next year. I just don't think that they're going to let go of him this year. They'll just, I guess, cut their losses and just play out the season. Um, obviously, a couple of um, interesting stats for the Broncos. This could end up being their worst defensive uh, record um, ever, uh, their worst defensive year since 1988, since their inception into the Australian Rugby League competition. They're at 205 points conceded thus far. I don't know what they need to get to to be the worst um, performing Broncos side ever, but apparently they're not too far away. And just a few other interesting stats. Um, on average, they've conceded um, 31 points a game, which is last. They've conceded five tries a game, which is last. Six line breaks per game, which is last. And 1,680, astonishing 1,680 run metres, which is dead last um, as well. So... Those four stats there um, in itself would would you know horrify you as a coach. You'd be absolutely distraught looking at those numbers. But um, hey, look, we'll move on to Saturday's fixtures, 
And on Saturday, Brad, we had the Roosters up against the Titans and what turned out to be quite a close encounter. The Roosters' eventual win is at 18 points to 12. Yeah, I don't know what... I, I We've been praising the Titans all year. So um, I think they had another great performance. I don't know what's wrong with the Roosters at the moment. You think you go back to the game against the Warriors last week and then this week, they've all been narrow, narrow wins. Um, it looks like they're in a bit of a slump. I'm not too sure, but... Um, I don't know if it's time to be concerned because they're they're getting taken to the limit by these these lower ranked teams, but they're still getting the win. So you still get the two points. You still keep yourself up on the ladder, but it's it's like they they lost to the Raiders. If they go up against a Storm or a Panthers, how are they going to look now? It, it, it's it could be quite concerning for Roosters fans at the moment. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I, I don't agree. I don't. I, sorry, I disagree a little bit with that. I don't think they're worried at all, to be honest. I think they've got about two million bucks on the sideline at the moment. Boyd Corden, Angus Crichton, um, yeah. you know the Morris brothers, Victor Adley, they're all um, sitting on the sideline at the moment. So they, 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 they've got some guys there that they're giving deliberate rests by the looks of things. So I think that they, um, hey, look, they, they, they may have taken the Titans a little bit lightly. The Titans, unfortunately for them, they crossed three times in the, they crossed four times in the first half, but three of them were disallowed. So yeah. they they played some really good football. Um, improvement again from them this week. Dale Copley, Philip Sammy, and Brimson played well. Um, Meninga was really happy with the performance, and he's come out and said that you know Justin Holbrook will be one of the coaches to be, keep your eye on in the coming years. And I have to tend to agree. And that's just come from a few press conference interviews I've seen of the man. He's very composed. He's very diligent. He doesn't seem to get flustered. He's what you want in a rugby league coach, I think. And um, hey, look, uh, good 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 on him, and good luck to him. I think that they're building for something great there. Obviously, with the signing last week um, from the Broncos, um, they're going to be, uh, a, 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 you know, forced to be reckoned with. I think um, in the in the coming years and potentially um, premiership contenders in the next coming years in the in the next few years as well. So, um, yeah, look, just watch the space in terms of the Titans. Another pretty good performance from them, but just not being able to get the job done. Um, Brad, yeah. Um, yeah. that takes us into the other Saturday game, doesn't it? It does, yeah, which saw the Raiders defeat the Cowboys 14-12. to 12. Um, Another a bit like the, the Roosters game, the, the better side came in and they just squeaked out. I know uh, Ricky Stewart said they were lucky to win. Um, I thought Curtis Scott and John Bateman both made their returns. I think they played pretty well. Uh, John Bateman went for 152 metres, 31 tackles, and he had his hands in two tries. So um, it's good to see him back, I think think it's still a shame that he's going back to the Super League because I think he had a few more years of NRL in him. But um, overly, it was a it was a, a tough fought win by the Raiders who um, still have some injuries. But I think they're showing they've still got that grit that you need in the playoffs. Yeah, it's looking like this trip north is becoming a bit of a tough one for most of the teams this year. I don't know if that's because of the fact that they're not doing a hell of a lot of travelling and when they have to travel, it's it's you know creating those difficulties. But, yeah, it seems like Townsville's always a tough place to sort of, um, you know, get going. Um, and, again, the Raiders um, suffered, uh, you know, or they didn't suffer, but they didn't come away with, you know, uh, a, a impounding victory like they perhaps were thinking that they might. But, um, again, they they came away with the two points. They muscled up. Um, obviously, going up there and beating Town Malolo's boys is no easy feat. So, um, hey, uh, good on them. And, um, obviously, with the Cowboys, uh, their situation, the season is pretty much in dire straits. And they're pretty much uh, languishing near the bottom of the ladder, like the other um, Queensland sides. So, 
Uh, yeah, they they, they, um, they do look like the team that they're waiting for the season to be over, to be honest. So, yeah, um, I think that the Raiders, uh, they've got a good uh, opportunity this weekend to really show what they're made of against the Panthers. And we'll cover that off in our round 13 preview in a little bit. But on the, uh, on, on Saturday night, we also had the Sea Eagles going up against the Panthers and which was pretty much one of the performances of the year from the Penrith Panthers, going out winners 42-12 to 12 in a big way, Brad. Yeah, I think they've really stepped up and said that they're the team to beat this year. Um, I know the Seagulls have got injuries left, right and centre, so it was always going to be a tough task for the Panthers, uh, for the Seagulls, sorry, but the Panthers, they look like they're a team that don't take anyone lightly, so they don't come in with an attitude going, we're going to wipe people off the park. And because of that, they do wipe people off the park. So um, there's just, you got Nathan Cleary, um, hard to see any other half being better than him right now. He is oh, he's, he's the halfback of the competition. He, he's the number one halfback yeah. by a long way. And yeah, um, Charlie Staines, it's only his second game. And um, he's a hell of a talent. I, I think we're going to see his name a lot more this year and going on in, in upcoming years with the Panthers. So, um, yeah, yeah, I think, well, were they 15th around this time last year? Yeah, they were on 15th last year, around the same sort of time. That's just a testament to Ivan Cleary's coaching. Um, it's, I'm glad that you mentioned that because it's their seventh straight victory. They look like they are going to win the minor premiership. I mean, that's where this is heading. Um, at the moment, you, 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 you're sort of banking your money on them. Um, to put things in perspective, like, like, like you just said, they were 15th last year. Um, Ivan had just come off all of that, uh, I guess, fiasco with the West Tigers. Um, and, you know, the, the, the club was in a little bit of turmoil. Um, Nathan Cleary, obviously, I think he was injured as well at the back end of the season last year. Correct me if I'm wrong. So they were really yeah. um, suffering. And this year, they've just come out of the blocks, and that is a huge rap on Ivan Cleary. I, we gave him some big raps last week, but this could be the year for Ivan. I mean, at the moment, it's looking like who can beat him, um, and he hasn't won a premiership yet, and he deserves one. He did some great stuff with the Warriors while he was here. Well, I really wish that he didn't leave um, the Warriors, but hey, he's gone on to bigger and better things by the looks of it because he's turned this Panther side into the machine that they are at the moment, and the juggernaut just keeps thundering on. Yeah, definitely. I, I've i said it many times, but I still think the Warriors, the franchise, was letting him go. And, um, yeah, he's a very good coach. He gets a lot out of players, and it's it's not always team. He he seems to be able to get the best out of even players that other teams wouldn't look at. And, um, yeah. He, yeah, they're building a good team. Um, I think they're the second youngest team in terms of experience. So to have a team full of inexperienced players basically at the top of the table is a testament to, to how well he's, he builds the team. That's going to be interesting come that finals time though, isn't it, uh, Brad? Because if they are as an inexperienced as you've just said, and they do make the top four and they get down to the last few weeks of that final series, could that be a telling factor when they come up against a Cameron Smith's um, uh, Melbourne or they come up against you know a Croker's Raiders or you know they come up against you know, the Knights or, or whoever um, is languishing at the top, maybe not so much the Knights after their performance this weekend, which we'll get to in a little bit. But you know what I mean? Like that experience, that inexperience could could um, that, that could be the only thing so far that I can see at the Panthers, which could um, that which could see them, you know, 
suffer at the back end of the season. But um, look, on the flip side for the Sea Eagles, Dylan Walker coming back after an injury stint, and it looks like he's going to be up for another six weeks, unfortunately. Um, it still exposes the lack of depth at uh, Manly, and that's another reason why they um, are suffering at the moment. And Des Hasler uh, put down to poor attitude as well. But And Tommy Trevojevic, unfortunately, he's still not due till a, for another few weeks. They're, they're sort of saying around round 15. Um, and for them to sort of stay in the eight, they've got to really um, win the next few games. and and, you know, to be because I think that they've just nudged the Tigers out of the eight, haven't they? When we have a look at the table a little bit, we'll we'll, we'll give you the lowdown on what the situation is because there have been a few positional changes as a result of the Warriors knocking out the Tigers um, on the weekend. So, yeah, um, I felt that Cherry Evans had a standout game in a poor side, though, Brad. Yeah, I think he, he's still stepping up um, with everyone falling falling injured around him. So um, it's good to see, and yeah, they need they need those um, those top tier players back as soon as possible. Um, it doesn't help. It's been an ongoing thing because there's no reserve grade football. When you get a player injured, you're throwing in a guy who hasn't touched a football in months, and then odds are they get injured too. So it's that seems to be what's happening with Manly, and yeah, I don't I don't see them making the eight at the moment. Um, they could get once they get Tommy Turbo back, they might get some wins together and, and sneak in again, but it's not looking good for them. Now, and that leads us into our fixtures that happened on Sunday, um, obviously on the 2nd of August there. We had the Eels um, against the Bulldogs, on which should have been one-way traffic. And we've got this resurged Bulldogs um, team under George Arliss, who are just coming out and playing a different brand of footy to what they were under Dean Pay. And eventually the Eels taking it away at 18 points to 16, but if you had a look at the odds before the game at a dollar 13 to six bucks, you would have thought, even if you weren't a rugby league enthusiast, that this is going to be one-way traffic. But these bulldogs, they um, they're starting to pull up their socks and play some rugby league for once. Yeah, so it's another case of uh, a top-tier team um, having a bit of a struggle with a bottom-tier team. But yeah, they they played really well. Uh, there was obviously one of the bigger talking points out of the game was. Um, Dylan Watney-Zesliak's play the ball. It was about 14 minutes in. He did the big run, and then he played the ball the wrong way. He was facing his own goal. Um, I don't know if you watched it, Brad. Sorry, so I'll just jump in there, Brad. I don't know if you saw an origin game. Probably would have been early 90s. Martin Bella did the exact same thing, and they actually mentioned it in the game. On mm. They mentioned it in the game, a la Martin Bella, um, because it was quite comical. I mean, how you play the ball the wrong way it's beyond me, to be honest. I mean, uh, unless you had some sort of head knock or head injury, surely you would um, have the presence of mind to play the ball the right way. So, but hey, um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. And unfortunately for them, after that, the Eels scored almost straight away. And um, there was a bit of a blunder by Chris Sutton in the ref um, call for an obstruction, which clearly was wrong. Unfortunately, the Bulldogs didn't use a captain's challenge on it. Um, if they had done that, they would have turned it around. And, um, yeah, there was also a lot of people who had a go at Aiden Tolman when there was a penalty and he had the option to take the two and he, he didn't take it. And then they lost by two. Uh, but it's always a hard call at that time what to do. But I just like seeing that the Bulldogs are fighting now. Um, being at the bottom of the ladder is, as far down as they are and not getting those performances to see them actually fighting, um, I think the Broncos are very lucky they won the first two rounds. Otherwise, um, I think they would be at the bottom. 
because I think the Bulldogs will surprise some people. Yeah, I think, like, I mean, I would have definitely um, taken the two points there to lock it up at 80 nor though. I mean, a rugby league victory is a rugby league victory at the end of the day. And, um, you know, uh, I would have definitely taken the two points uh, to lock it up and go into golden point potentially. And, and you know, the way that um, Kieran, Kieran Foran was terrorising them up the middle, I mean, Mitchell Mose and Wanga Blake uh, on that right edge, they were just getting hammered by Foran. And it was really, really encouraging to see um, Kieran stepping it up. Obviously, he wants to be at the Bulldogs next year. I don't know if we've got any news on that, but we will keep you updated. Um, but yeah, it was just, I think, uh, a bit of a brain fade from him for not kept, uh, first of all, for not um, challenging that uh, blunder by Chris Sutton. And secondly, not taking the two points. I think that like that, that just shows perhaps a little bit of the um, mindset of the Bulldogs at the moment. They're starting to get better, but they're still not there um, in terms of you know, mentally um, being able to cope with uh, the realms of what's going on around them, perhaps. So, um, hey, look, at the end of the day, uh, no one expected them to win it, but they gave them a good run. And to come away with a, a point score, um, uh, just a differential of two points against, you know, a second-placed uh, second Panther, uh, sorry, second-placed Eels team was a good result, really, in the scheme of things. Yeah, definitely. And I know Brad Arthur came out afterwards and said that um that they were really disappointed the Parramatta um were disappointed and they didn't even want to sing their their victory song um even though they got the win so um that's another part i like i like that they got the win but they knew that they they didn't really deserve the win they didn't play good enough and they want to be better which is good for for the eels who you know a couple of months ago were the the top team and um, they've just come down a little bit. But, um, yeah, I think they'll bounce back from this poor performance and um, put on some good displays in the coming weeks. And that takes us to our last game, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining us here on New Zealand Sport Radio. We're episode 10 here on the standoff with Brad and Sanj. And we had um, the Storm up against the Knights, and which was, you know, um, a pretty good win from the Storm. However, the Knights did play uh, good football in this one up until uh, the end there. Um, and unfortunately for them, uh, you know, coming across the beast that is Melbourne at the moment was always going to be tough. But eventually 26 points to 16, not too bad a scoreline. However, a loss is a loss and um, a win is a win for Melbourne, taking them to six straight wins now with Munster and Pappenhausen the standouts along with Jerome Hughes for the Storm. Yeah, it was a very good performance by the Storm. I, I still feel a bit sheepish that uh, in like episode two of our shows, I said that they were going to be one of the teams that couldn't change to the six again rule and that they'd probably have a bad season. That's right. So they proved me well and truly wrong. But um, yeah, all their players are putting their hands up. So you had Munster, Pappenhausen. Pappenhausen's try that he got um, oh. was right up there for tries of the year for me. I thought... Um, he showed great, uh, great pace, and um, it's it's funny to think that he was like basically second or third string fullback as as early as last year, and now he's the the top dog there. And um, Jerome Hughes, I think, had a good game as well. They got um they're they're at the moment they've got a, a lot of good players, but they they play really well as a team and. They, they don't rely – there's a lot of teams that rely on your one or two, like we've seen with Manly. They lose a couple of big key players. They fall apart. This team, as Bellamy, when they talked about Cameron Smith's gone for two weeks, 
he didn't even look concerned. He kind of just shrugged his shoulders and said, Brandon Smith's going to take that spot. We're good to go. So um, their depth has always been one of the, the best things about the Storm. And um, the Knights, I still think there's an attitude issue. I know um, they played a lot better this time, but I think there just seems to be something missing with the Knights. I'm not sure what it is. Um, hope they find it soon. Otherwise, they, they're not going to make the eighth. Yeah, well, hey, look, maybe um, Blake Green is just the injection that they need, uh, to be honest with you. It could be a really good thing because Mitchell Pierce is certainly not sending, you know, setting the world on fire up there. And Kalen Pong is having good games now and again. Yes, he's generally performing quite consistently, but um, he needs he needs a couple of guys around him as well. He can't do it all on his own. So, um, yeah, look, in terms of Cameron Smith, man, this guy's played some 420 games. I think there was an interesting stat that I read up on um, earlier on in the day. And um, I don't think he's missed more than double-digit games ever in that time. So, yeah, a fantastic testament to the man. And, you know, he's going to be out for two to three weeks. It's a grade two injury, so he isn't going to be there. But like we said earlier, Brandon Smith, Smith for Smith, he will slot in and we will be none the wiser. The, the, you know, they're, they're not losing anything there. Um, so, yeah, look, um, Melbourne wrapping up the round. And um, if we just have a look at... Uh, our round 12 picks now versus our actuals. Um, we both came away with seven victories from eight possible games. And the only one that we didn't pick were the Warriors. We had yeah, actually screwed us over. We actually didn't pick the Warriors thinking that, um, hey, look, their time in the sun has come to an end after a couple of victories this year. But um, they've proved us wrong and they've got still a little bit left to play for in this long season. So if we have a look at the table as it stands right now, We've actually got um, in top spot, obviously, the Panthers, the Storm, the Eels, and Roosters make up the top four, the Raiders, Sharks, Knights, and the Rabbitohs making up the eight, Brad. Yeah, and then in the bottom, we've got the Seagulls, Tigers, Dragons, and Warriors taking nine to 12, followed by the Cowboys, Titans, Broncos, and Bulldogs from 13 to, to 16 there. And it's um, but unfortunate for Queenslanders to have all three of their teams in the bottom four. Look, it's so interesting, isn't it? As as bad as the Warriors have been, well, they haven't been overly bad, but as unfortunate, I guess you could say, as they've been throughout the duration of the season, there's still only four points outside the eight. Now, how many times would you have said that in the last 20 years? That's what I want yeah. to ask you, Brad. How many times would you have said that, where they're just outside the eight, they're just outside the eight? Damn it, they've been just outside the eight <laughs> since they started the competition. Yeah, it's always that way. When you get to this part of the, the season, it always seems to come down to um, some advanced mass calculation on how many games they have to win to make the eight. That seems to be the common trend for Warriors every year. You you look at it and go, they've got seven games left. They need to win five or, or what have you. So it'd be nice to get a team that actually is a bit more like your Panthers and that, which are kind of up in the top and stay there. Um, yeah, look, I think um, over the last couple of weeks, we've been sort of saying that, um, you know, anyone from um, 1 to 12 can still make the 8. I think, personally, from looking at the table now, I think that we can take that down a notch. Now, I think that the top 8 is going to be a contest of 10 teams that you see right there in front of you. Between 1 and 10, I think they're going to make up your top 8. I think the Dragons, they just showed on the of their last three performances, they're not ready, or they're not there, or thereabouts. The Warriors, hey, look, I'd like to think that they could come out of the woodworks and do something miraculous or, you know, but, hey, look, don't even have a really a coach. Um, we've got players coming home. Uh, RTS is homesick. Uh, you know, Blake Green gone. So, 
yeah, I don't see them making the eight. So really, it's um, the, you know, the knights, rabbitos, sea eagles, and west tigers. Um, it's you know, it's going to be interesting because I think the sharks and the raiders. You could almost say that they're going to be comfortably in the eight, particularly the way the sharks are playing. They're just getting better and better with six from seven victories. Raiders, of course, um, winning the last couple of games, getting their season back on track. And, of course, that Roosters, Eels, Storm and Panthers as well. Look, it's, it's going to be a mouth-watering final series, to say the least. Definitely. Yeah, I think in the top eight right now, the only ones that would be looking over their shoulders are the Knights and the Rabbitohs. I think, yeah, the, the top six, I think, are pretty comfortable. Um, as you say, we don't know what happens. The Warriors could string a few wins together and shoot themselves up to ninth. Um, the Seagulls right. could do the same. It, there is some topsy turvy, but yeah, I think you're pretty accurate that anyone in the top ten right now has a shot. Anyone below that's probably looking at next year. And that takes us to our round twelve um, picks and actuals. And if we have a look at it, yes, we're sitting um, four games apart there. Uh, well, Brad, just, oh, sorry, we've just got one question from the uh, from the live chat. Oh yes, go ahead. Yeah, and Lexi would like to know what are your thoughts on uh, Flanagan being dropped. Yeah, I just think he's just given been given a rest. I don't think it's, we need to look too much into it. I think that um, he's a young lad. He hasn't played too much um, football, uh, you know, with the club. So I think they're just being a little bit cautious there. You might even see him come back and then Kerry be given a rest before they hop into the final series. I wouldn't be surprised if they do that. Um, I, that's I, I, I'm not reading anything into it more than that, really. Yeah, I'm not reading too much into it. I know Trent Robinson kind of came out and said his form was a bit low. But I think that's more of a, a, a ploy, kind of like what we saw with the Benji Maguire situation where you kind of you put a little bit of heat on them and watch them bounce back. And I think they're confident that Flanagan can take a little bit of criticism, have a bit of a rest, and then bounce back stronger, which will only bode well for, for the Roosters. Cool. Excellent. So like, like I was saying, yeah, the round 12 picks, um, Basically, uh, we, we got seven out of eight each, so we only didn't get the Tigers. So as it stands at the moment, I'm sitting on 50 out of 72 with Brad still ahead by four games and look, looking very likely to take it out for the season um, with with us being pretty much neck and neck. Um, it's going to be very tough um, to sort of come back from that one. Um, so we'll now have a look at round 13 there, Brad. Yeah, so on Thursday night, we've got the Dragons paying $4.50 to play the Roosters at $1.20 at win stadium in Wollongong so um I've put the roosters down for my pick here I think um the dragons aren't going to be good enough unfortunately for them no, um I, I'm, I'm, I'll agree with you on that one I think that the dragons will um come away with the victory and I think that they will come away with the sorry the roosters will come away with the victory and I think they'll come away with the victory quite comfortably yeah. And on Friday night, we've got the Sea Eagles up against our beloved Warriors. And um, I am going to be backing our Vodafone Warriors this weekend. Um, you know, uh, I think that, you know, they've they've got a lot to play for in terms of a bit of pride now. Um, they've been dented again with the two departures this week. But I just, you know, with a depleted Manly outfit, yes, it is at Lotto Land in Sydney. I just think that the Warriors, um, you know, they can come away with some some miraculous wins. And I'm going to back them in on this one. Yeah, I'm going with them too. Uh, I think the Seagulls have just got too many injuries. So if there's any time for the Warriors to face the Seagulls, it's now. And um, yeah, hopefully we're right. Um, Rabbitohs, Broncos, I don't think it's, an, it's much of a no-brainer. I'm backing in the Rabbitohs. Easy winners um, at ANZ. Um, and then on Saturday, we've got the... You, you, you're obviously backing in the Rabbitohs. I had no illusions that you'd be doing. Otherwise, you can pick the Broncos if you like, Brad. I, I really don't mind, but... 
No, um, I'll, leave, I'll leave that up to you. Storm's Bulldogs, likewise. I think um, Storm going to be too powerful, even though the resurgent Bulldogs, they will come to play. I don't think it will be a blowout, but I still don't see them getting over the top of a very strong Melbourne outfit, even without Cameron Smith. So I think That's that right. um, the Storm will run away with that one. Um, an interesting game, uh, uh, the Knights and the Tigers. Um, I'm actually going to be backing in the Tigers to take out the Knights in this one. So... Um, I think that Michael Maguire it was pretty pissed off last week, and I'm hoping that that anger, um, you know, goes back into the Tigers players and they come away with the point so I can get one game up on you because I need to get a couple of games up on you. And, um, yeah, this one would be a good one. Um, yes, yeah, so I'm going with the, the Knights. I'm going for the Blake Green to beat the Tigers two weeks in a row. Oh, that's a – yeah, well, he, that's, that's actually he – get, he gets to play the Tigers twice in two weeks. Um, but doesn't he have to quarantine? No, because they're all in Australia, so. Right, yeah, okay, fine. so he doesn't have to do it. Okay, fine. No, so he gets to jump straight in there. Um, obviously, Panthers versus the Raiders. Look, this was a hard decision, really. Um, look, the, the Raiders have played some really good games, including beating the Roosters in recent times, but I just think the Panthers, this uh, team that has just come out of nowhere, really, this season, they're just going to be too strong for them um, up top. So I, I'm backing them in for um, a victory against, uh, you know, this Raiders outfit, even though, but that will be the match of the round for mine. Yeah, that that's me as well. I've gone with the the Panthers. I'm and when it comes on, down, oh, sorry, go ahead. Okay. Uh, on Sunday, we've got the uh, Titans at 210 playing the Cowboys at CBS Super Stadium in the Gold Coast. I'm actually going with the Cowboys on this one. Okay. Um, they, uh, yeah, I just, I, I, I'm feeling an upset. And I think even though the Titans are, are paying 210, I think they're the better performing team right now. But I think the Cowboys are going to gonna come out and sneak one here. Yeah, look, I'm going to go to the Titans. Um, I mean, they're playing at home. They've been playing well. They almost beat the Roosters. Um, you know, they beat us a couple of weeks ago. They've just signed a, a marquee player a couple of weeks ago. Things are going well for them. I think that the crowd will come out and back them. And I'll, I'll back the Titans and and, of course, that takes us to our last fixture of round 13, being the Sharks versus the Eels at Nestrada. The, the Eels obviously favourites at $1.40 to two ninety five. Brad, who's your pick? Yeah, I'm going with the Eels. And I am going for I the Sharks. So that gives us three. Yes, I'm going to back Sean Johnson and the lads to make it um, seven games in a row. Um, it's a big call. I know it's probably the biggest call that I perhaps have made uh, out of all the picks, but... Again, I'm the risk taker. That's why I'm poor games adrift. Um, you're quite conservative there with your picks, Brad. So we have a look at it. We've actually got one, two, three, four games there uh, in this round where we are – oh, sorry, three games in this round where we are picking different sides. So I'm hoping that I can take out all three and come within one um, of, of uh, you know, or come within one pick of beating you. Could happen. Could happen, or you just get further away. We don't know. It's, it's the gamble. We'll have to see how it plays out. But, yeah, I think I'll back in the Sharks. Um, I just have a feeling about them this weekend against the Eels. So good luck to them. Um, in terms of the overseas game, uh, Brad, we've got some news there on the Wolfpack. Yeah, so uh, Simon's come in with uh, a little bit of info I didn't have, which is um, good to see. But, yeah, the Toronto Wolfpack have been axed from the Super League due to a breach of contract for their – decision to not continue the season this year um in order to play next year they're going to have to enter a new participation agreement and um 
to in order for that to get across the line, they actually need all other Super League clubs to give them a, a vote of confidence to come back. And the owner, as you see there, they're looking at uh, buying another team. The owners recognise that he's going to need to step away if they are to come back. Oh, I think that's a bit rough. I think that that's 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 crazy. Uh, you know, I mean, in this current climate, for them to go out and do that to the Wolfpack, I think that's pretty rough, to be honest. But, hey, um, we'll keep you updated on, uh, you know, what happens over there. Um, you know, and all other Super League news, there's some news around Conrad Harrell, the former Warrior. Yeah, so... Um... They had two games in the week, uh, in the weekend, but um, the second game, which was Leeds, um, they had uh, a great comeback. They were down 20 points with 15 to go, and Conrad Harrell scored a, scored a try in the 78th minute to um, send the match to Golden Point, and the uh, Leeds captain, Luke Gale, slotted a field goal, and um, some of the, the media over there were calling it the greatest comeback in Super League history. So um, really good game, and it was good to see some football back over there. Yeah, it's good to see the Super League getting underway and, um, you know, obviously some of our Kiwi boys getting a run in that tournament over there. So, hey, look, ladies and gentlemen, that wraps up Episode 10, Season 1 of The Standoff. It's been a pleasure bringing the show to you this evening and every other Wednesday here at 8 p.m. live on Facebook, and you can also catch us on iHeartRadio. But um, until next time, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for joining us. You have a good weekend, and we look forward to reviewing Round 13 with you next week. Good evening. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 